Hi everyone to our Kitoko podcast. Today we are here in Ostermundigen. It's a beautiful area in Bern. And today with me, Arno and also Nina Zumstein, you will get to know them. Yeah, today's topic is all about yeah promoting health in companies. So first of all, we're gonna learn more about the causes of mental issues, but also yeah, what can each individual, but also leaders or companies do to promote healthy environments. And yeah, with me, our guests, Nina Zumstein, she's currently working at Edorex. She's a people and culture coach, and she holds a degree in work and organizational psychologist at the University of Bern. Yeah, you have a very strong background in operational health management. You worked eight years at Health Promotion Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, welcome to you and Arna as well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Amadeo. Yeah, we're here in a beautiful office. It's nice, a lot of plants. We have our sofa here. We are at the headquarters of Edorex. So what can other companies learn from the EduCulture when it comes to promote health and work at workplace? Um, when it comes to health in the workplace, um, we're talking about the working conditions. Uh, so in work psychology, it's always about reducing unnecessary stresses and building up resources. Um, in resources, in work psychology speak, that's not about financial resources or personnel. It's more about protective factors. It's anything that helps you better deal with stressful situations. For example, if I have, like here for instance at Edorex, we have very complex projects, sometimes very difficult tasks for the teams to complete. That's, of course, a potential stressor um, if you have something, something very complex to deal with. On the other hand, if you have certain resources, like, for instance, you have the support of your team, um, you feel generally very accepted and appreciated in your workplace, you have a high degree of decision latitude about how and when you accomplish which part of the task, you have the necessary skills, um, you find the task meaningful, those are all resources within the work environment that can help you make it feel a lot less stressful, this, this complex task. Um, And so the, the advantage of having a, a really good organizational culture where those things are just natural, they're ingrained, it's automatic. It's not about having to, when you meet a stressor, having to find the resources within the environment, within the situation to deal with the stressor, but it's just there all the time anyway. So building kind of the, the balance, there's a, a study that's done by Health Promotion Switzerland. Every year they give out numbers about job stress index in Switzerland where is the balance between stresses and resources mm. in the Swiss population. And they have shown over many years now that this balance is so crucial. Mm. You can deal very well with quite a high level of stress, provided that you have even more resources to be able to, mm. to deal with it. And in fact, if you have enough resources, the, the stresses can actually become a, a positive thing, uh, something that you can grow, use to grow and, and improve. This sounds uh, nice. I mean, you started your work uh, not a year ago. So when you started and you look back, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned that it's something natural. It should be always there, but it also needs an awareness. Is this part of your job or is this the responsibility of the employees? Uh, 
Well, um, I'm, I've been here six months now. It's mm. almost the day. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a long time. <laughs> I was very fortunate here at edrex because organizational culture, of course, takes a long time to build. You can't just switch it on and off or change it. Mm. It's an evolu evolution. It's a process. It takes many years. And edrex it's now having the 40th uh, anniversary this year. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and, and the culture has been growing over that time. And I actually we had a really interesting input recently um, by one of the uh, directors who showed us old, um, we didn't have an intranet before, they had uh, newspapers, like newsletters. Mm. And one article in that was um, about the culture of edrex and how important it is that people are appreciated in the workplace. And to me, that was so nice to see because this culture didn't just develop within the last few years. This has been a build-up over the last 40 years of this kind of uh, people are really are the most important resource. Uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a statement that many companies say, but I felt like here it, it actually, it's really um, noticeable every day. That, mm. uh, and, and this is of course something you build up. And my job, people and culture coach, um, I can help support and maintain and look after that culture so it doesn't deteriorate. We had a lot of challenges like Corona, COVID, mm. people didn't see each other for long, long spans of time. That uh, is, is a big challenge for any culture. Mm. Things tend to drift apart. The teams tend to drift apart. And so, um, yeah, having this culture, keep building on it, keep maintaining it. If you don't do anything about it, it's, you, you will, um, it will regress. So, mm. yeah. I just uh, another question popped up yesterday. I had an interview with a, a newspaper and this person asked me, so yeah, you're saying the, the human is at the center of everything. What do you mean exactly by that? Because as you mentioned, yeah, many companies brand themselves as, yeah, we put uh, the human in the center of everything. Yeah. But how do you actually see that at edrex that the human, the employees are, are at the work, uh, center? Well, what struck me most at the beginning is just that we have so many different characters here and everybody's accepted the way they are. We have people who are extremely, extremely introverted. If you get four, four words in a row, that's a lot. That's like a speech. And you have others that are very chatty and you have the full spectrum of, of everything and everybody's accepted. And it's, it's about not just our employees, but also about the customers. Like the collaboration with the customers is extremely personal. Most of our teams have customers that they've been working with for five or ten years even the same people they come here they, to work with the teams very very closely it's all kind of very close together and it's about and the company of course is owned by the employees it's a, the, sh the, the shareholders are mm. edrex employees so that of course helps a lot mm. because then we decide what we want because we're the ones that get to decide because we we run the company sort of thing um And maybe one question which I'm really interested in to 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 get the understanding of of, of the topics, um, um, health management, operational health management, and then um, culture. Uh, how would you describe uh, or separate <laughs> both b b both both words or both both topics? It's a really interesting question. I've never thought about that before. Um, Organizational health management, I think, is that's kind of the, the operational side of it. It's what you do um, to promote health. It's about looking at the working conditions and looking what can you do better, what, where are there unnecessary stresses, where are there resources that you could make mm. more use of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The culture is that the context that you're moving in, and, of course, the culture is a necessary prerequisite for measures of organizational health management to have any 
effect. Mm. For instance, um, I, I did a lot of consulting in my last job, and we had a client where employees asked for a, a room to rest, kind of a quiet room mm. where they can rest and mm. recuperate mm-hmm. and relax. And the managers were very disappointed because the room was not really used. And so we went in and we asked the question, well, what's the culture here? It's, it's what does using this room say in this context? And would you use this room? Oh, no, 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 of course not. Like, why not? Well, I don't want people to think I'm lazy. Well, you, you know, mm. you're giving this room because you say breaks are important and it's important to rest. And of course, people will not, they'll sign out of um, their working time, so it's not on, on work time. But the, if the managers send this signal, if the culture is breaks are for the weak, mm. resting is a sign of weakness, basically, um, then of course, nobody's going to do it. So the, the context, the culture needs to fit to be able to have measures of organizational health that um, that will be used mm. with any help to the employees. So, so in conclusion, you would say that the, the culture is more like the, yeah, the, the overall, the overall ghost, <laughs> as I said, the culture ghost. And then the operational health management are, are measurements and, and, yeah, interventions, which, yeah, for example, which you define... Um, um, when you when you measure the operation in health or or the health at 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 the, at the people workforces, then these decisions which you made out of 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 yeah whatever you do service or when you when you when you do workshops with your people, mm-hmm. and then these these things like a restroom or like a room to 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 sleep or to rest, yeah. these are these are measurements or intervention out of health management and culture is is, is the top huh? or out of it good yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah. You mentioned the the point that yeah, when the management says yeah we need this and that, but the actual people they don't feel like uh, or they f- there is a culture of fear. So when it comes to um, yeah, make some interventions, this should come from the people and not just from from the board or from the HR. Or yeah, that is an excellent point because that is often. Um, not done enough as well. Quite often, I mean, it's, it obviously it is the job of managers quite often to make decisions, right? So when it comes to organizational health, if you do any kind of analysis, any kind of survey, employee survey, and you present the results, normally you present them first to the board of directors and the management, and they will look at the results and say, ah, yes, this is the problem, we fix that by this, and this is the problem, we do this, and the third one is this, and then they go to the employees, they present their measures, we have number step one, step two, step three, great, now you guys are all happy, hopefully. And usually that's not the outcome, because um, it's it's not about just just implementing measures, It's the process is the most important thing, it's about the dialogue of asking employees, what do you need? What would help you? Where are there things that stress you unnecessarily? And also, how do you fix it? And quite often the people who are in the situation experiencing the stresses, they're the ones that can say what's the best help, what's most useful here. And, and, and even just asking them shows appreciation, allows them to participate um, and strengthens the identification with, with the organization because I'm allowed to mm. give my opinion, I'm listened to, I'm heard, I can give input and things change based on they care about what I think. So that part is the most important part of the process. It's not just about the measures. Um, and that often is, is kind of misunderstood, mm. that it's sort of dictated from above rather than bottom up. Yeah, I'm still, it reminds me to, to some cases which which we go in and the management board is not quite, they say they want it, but they're not all ready for the process. So mm. if you want to have a culture change or 
uh, yeah, or, or 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 having 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 a, a forecast or a progress in this in this field, I think it's crucial also that, that everyone of the management board is fully in, and then also you know um, be fully in when we when you have to when you have to define strategic interventions, because yeah, we recognize a lot in our cases if the management board every one of it is not one hundred percent behind this change. Um, it's not worth it. You know, you can invest still, but 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 there, yeah, we also have some cases which you just say, hey, you're not ready for the change yet. Mm-hmm. Just because of one person, of two persons, mm-hmm. it doesn't count, like one is enough. And this is also what we really notice in, in a lot of cases. And I think there's really important that you're really professional also doesn't accept internal or external. That's that's not, no differentiation, but I think it, it's it's crucial that you... Yeah, that you just really start a project when everyone also on the board is ready. Mm-hmm. Just then I think we have a successful start mm-hmm. of a culture it's change. More sustainable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and when we a little bit move maybe to the causes of mental issues in general, um what is we had, yeah, culture is of course one topic that, that goes into um the mental illness or causes causes reasons why people get mentally ill. Um, what do you think, except that, what are the main causes that people, yeah, get maybe stressed at the workplace or got mentally illness because the workload is too high or? Mm-hmm. It's, a very, it's a very big question. Um, to me, mental illness, I would say, is part of life. Mm. And I actually believe that you can't separate mental illness from physical illness or mental mm. health from physical health. I mm. think the two are just intertwined and you have so many, the, you know, the antecedents, the factors that lead to disease, mental disease, physical disease are the same ones quite often. Mm. You have the same demographic population that are more affected. Mm. You have often s- symptoms, comorbidities. Um, I, uh, to my opinion, you can't separate it. So uh, I think, unfortunately, illness is a part of life that we have to deal with. The difference is that with physical illness, we are already further along. We are um, more able to accept that, and it's it's kind of there's no taboo or not such a taboo about it. Mm. If you have an illness, you go to the doctor, you get help, you get better. Whereas with the mental health, quite often, first of all, we don't know enough about it. It means we don't recognize the symptoms in ourselves mm. and in others. Mm. If we recognize them, we might not be open to talking about it. There's a lot of shame about this. Um, you know, I can admit that I have stomach troubles, for instance, but I can't admit that I'm struggling with anxiety the same way, openly. Um, or um, And also then when it comes to seeking help. Uh, whereas going to, to your doctor to get medicine for any physical illness is normal no problem admitting that you're going to a psychologist to get treatment that's that's a there's a hurdle there there's a, a bar there and our cultural norm doesn't help us at the moment it's, it's getting better but there's a there's a still a stigma attached to to mental illness so i think while it's a normal part of life and it just happens the fact that we don't deal that well with it yet makes the problem worse than it needs to be that's really interesting. Remember me? It reminds me also the last the last weekend the the, the exchange we had of, of one also chief chief human resource officer which said yeah but I think you know the younger people they they, they share they share it more about you know yeah I, I'm going to to psychologist I have these issues 
And yeah, I, I'm working on it, but you know, that's a part of me. That was interesting. What, what do you think? Is there a shift within genera generations or is it just like, no, it's, I think, because I think my father or my parents, I would say they, they talked less about that, you know? Yeah, it was like, maybe also after the Second World War, you, you have to work. Yeah, don't, we had to suffer now. Now don't, don't talk about that. I don't know if it's, if these are generation things, but that was also, also interesting for me to know. What do you think? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, I think on one hand, yes, there is, there are certain norms that are stronger in the older generation that particularly men, men of a certain generation, it's very difficult to admit that there's a mental health issue and they need help. I think there's still some barriers. For the younger ones, it, it might be easier, you know, if you have Ariana Grande running around saying that she's bipolar, or I can't remember which, which mm. but there's a lot of celebrities in pop culture that are admitting to mm. mental health issues, mm. which makes it a lot easier if you sort of identify with celebrity to say, oh yeah, I've got that too. This person's doing really well, is very successful. In that case, it's not such a big deal. Um, whereas the older generation, there's there's less role models. Um, but on the other hand, I also think it's a lot of individual uh, mm. variation. For instance, some people who are older might might have learned during their life that it's not such a big deal asking for help, that you don't always have to be perfect at everything. <laughs> and weakness is, is normal. It's part of f failing at things and, and not being able to, to do everything is, is just part of life. Um, that actually leads me to a second point. There's the study that I mentioned earlier with Health Promotion Switzerland doing this job stress index. They found that um, the younger generation are the ones with the worst balance between stresses and resources, mm. and they're more um, exhausted, more fatigued mm. as a result mm. of that. And the older generation are actually doing better. Mm. And the same thing came out during the, all the numbers about the COVID pandemic, that the youngest generations were most affected mm. in, in terms of psychological health. And there's a lot of theories about why that could be. Um, and one that, to me, makes a lot of sense is the, the healthy worker effect. That if you you work in a job, you first of all, you become much better at coping with the stresses that come along with this job. You find strategies that suit you. Um, also, people who don't find strategies tend to either exit that job and go into other jobs that suit them better. So it's mm. kind of a self-selection mechanism. Or they exit the workforce. They fall ill, they go on long-term mm. disability. And um, as a result, the people then, the older generation that are left in their jobs have either selected those jobs because they suit them well, or they're the ones that are left because they're healthy. So there's a self-selection effect there as well. So if the older generation is seeking less help, maybe they actually also need less. <laughs> because they've, they've learned how to deal with stuff mm. on their own. Mm. It's a possibility that that's also partly to... Um, responsible for this difference in seeking help. Mm. Yeah, what I'm very am amazed by the younger generation is how open they talk about emotions and feelings. And uh, when listening to you, this sounded for me very plausible. And But it also, for me, somehow it came up the idea of um, maybe the older generation. And I don't want to start a, f a war between the generations, but this is not also a symptom of today's world in still in many companies that do that, that uh, a strategy to deal with uh, this balance between resource and reducing stress is to shut out your emotions or to, to cut your emotions. And for me, this is not a healthy strategy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that's a lot about ignoring the problem mm. to me, at mm. least. To, to, if you're not talking about it, it's not there. Kind mm. of, that, that seems to me to be um, one way of, of ignoring it because it's actually quite difficult to deal with. A lot of mm. companies, the, the ones we spoke to always, the, the big tenor was, well, we don't really know what to do. We don't know where to start. We know there's mm. some problem mm. around. We would love to ignore it. Now we can't anymore because we have so such high absenteeism numbers mm -hmm. and presenteeism, which is people um, coming to work but not being productive mm. as a result of not being stressed or not being well. Mm. And again, same study. I have to cite this study over and over, but it's a great study. Um, the job search index showed that two-thirds in Switzerland is due to presenteeism, that the losses, the economic losses that we suffer um, mm. economically, that the Swiss... Uh, Organizations, two thirds are due to presenteeism, people showing up but not mm, being able to perform, and only mm. one third is, is absenteeism. Mm. So it's twice as much. Is is so we often look at the sickness absence numbers, mm. but that's not even half the story. Mm. Yeah. One third of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about the causes of mental issues, um, what does it mean for individuals at workplace, but also for the company as a whole? You mentioned now one point. Is there Uh, are there other um, yeah causes for for companies yeah well for companies uh, yeah it's this it's this issue isn't it people being ill um, or, or coming to work and not being productive making mistakes but also of course um, uh, turnover if people are stressed and not happy they will quit this can cost money so it's very expensive um, I recently saw a statistic that replacing a high level employee with high, with qualifications very specialist um, costs between one and three annual salaries, mm. like you know, 300,000 Swiss francs. Mm. It's an enormous amount of money to replace mm. somebody with all the indirect costs that it generates if somebody quits and you have to recruit and the mm. team is disrupted and, and all that. Also, the image loss. Um, the customers are less satisfied if employees are stressed mm. and not happy. Mm. It has an impact. There's mm. less innovation. So a lot of indirect costs as well. Um, but, of course, it can also be quite traumatic. Mm. I had um, three years ago, I... I consulted on a, an organization where they had two suicides in top management within a, the same year. Mm. And that was a trauma for the whole company. This mm. destabilized everything, that they questioned everything. And so for the, for the company, there's that side. Of course, for the employees themselves, they're the ones that suffer. If you are constantly stressed and overloaded and not getting support and uh, subject to conflicts, we know now that conflicts are one of the worst um, problems. Mm. I think something like 57% of... Um, reason when people go on disability because of mental health issues, I think 57% was the number that was due to conflict experiences at work. That's huge. Mm. Um, so, so that obviously the, the burden on the individual, the, the, the suffering is, is massive, can be massive. Mm. Um, of course, also have to say it's not always just because of work. Um, burnout, you often see that it just having a difficult work environment that's not necessarily enough to lead to to burnout quite often something also happens in the private life at the same time mm. some difficulty some mm. illness within the family or i don't know a divorce or something mm. that and then it's when when both both domains are not going well that's when it really gets shaken it gets really difficult for most people mm. um, so the work is not just it's not always just work that's the blame but of course work is it's such an important part of our life mm. um, and and it can give us so much positive Uh, so many positive things. Mm. Uh, it's a huge resource to, to have a job, to have a job mm. that you like and enjoy. But on the other hand, if, it, if that's not going well, it's 
Yeah, it's a problem mm. for the whole. It, I don't like this work-life balance. In work psychology, we now speak of life-domain balance because mm. work is a part of life. You can't mm. say work and life. Mm. Yeah. And so you mentioned, yeah, we have two dimensions. One dimension, yeah, is, is the personal life, which, which of course, things. There are a lot of things also going, and then life is, is crazy sometimes. But then you have the other factor, which is which is work. And what kind of key factors? can you mention that contribute to a healthy work environment? Now we hear, yeah, the, the, the causes, the reasons, mm -hmm. but, but on the other hand, to the listeners out there, if you, yeah, maybe you're a managing partner, maybe you're a, an employee, what are first steps maybe to, to, to start to implement mm -hmm. um, a concept within the company? Yeah. Um, well, we talked already about what the, what I, to me, one of the most important things is this, the, the resources that I mentioned resources. earlier, the culture, mm -hmm. building a culture where those resources are just automatic and ingrained. Mm -hmm. That's, that's one point. Um, I personally would always start with some kind of analysis, mm -hmm. figuring out where do I have sources of stress mm -hmm. that are unnecessary um, and where do I have resources that I could, I could be using more and how is the overall health? of my employees and, um, and for example resources you will mention yeah, for example appreciation is really mm, important mm. feeling you know valued as, mm, as an employee mm. support social mm -hmm, support mm -hmm. from your colleagues mm. and also from your superiors um, then uh, decision latitude having some control over how things mm -hmm, are going mm -hmm. being able to participate in decisions meaning meaning is really really important meaning of yeah having meaning of tasks meaning of, of the of the yeah. company in general yeah mm. A lot of you know, having a, a match between your internal values mm. and the, the values of the company and mm. the work you're doing. Being able to grow, being able to learn new things. Um, this, just the social contacts is, mm. is really important. Mm. Um, yeah, and having the skills, that's also one that has to, to be mentioned, that you, if you're given tasks, you need to have the required education and, and training to be able to do that without feeling unduly stressed. So those factors, I, I would say, are the most important resources. And then, of course, on the other side, uh, stressor side, where are there things that really are causing unnecessary stress? Some stress is normal in, in every mm, job. Mm. Some factors cannot be controlled. For instance, if you're working in a hospital, you will be confronted with illness and death and, and people who mm. are um, doing very poorly. And that's part of the job. And that is a huge stressor, but you can't change that. Mm. On the other hand having unnecessary bureaucracy that's something you can absolutely change mm. so you can try to reduce that to a minimum and, um, i hate bureaucracy <laughs> <laughs> and how would you actually uh, pr proceed as a, there are different ways uh, to 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 have a, a very precise analysis uh, you would rather go for services as a surveys or rather like uh, workshops to to get a glimpse and yeah. to deep dive more into Depends on the company. Um, if you have a large company and you don't already have employee surveys that go into these topics like health and stress and, and, and resources, then the survey might be a good place to start just to get an overview and to look at which departments, which, which teams have issues. And then you do deep dives there. And I would always do the deep dive not with more surveys, but with dialogue, figuring yeah. out um, by discussion what's going on. But you don't necessarily have to do survey in a very small company where there are, I don't know, maybe only 10 to 20 employees, talk to people. You don't need the survey first. Mm. Um, dialogue. Dialogue yeah. again. Mm. Or you could do this other analysis instruments. You don't need to do surveys. There's some, um, there's a, again, Health Promotion Switzerland. I'm doing a lot of um, 
marketing for them, but they're a non-profit, <laughs> so um, it's okay. They have they have a, a tool called the Friendly Friendly Workspace uh, is a label that they're they're putting out for companies to use, and they have criteria. They have a it's a bible. It's a huge book of criteria of what you can do as an employer to make sure your people are healthy. Mm. And if you go through that bible and you can check check off what do we already do, and where do we have gaps. That's also a type of analysis. You can do a check like that. Mm. Um, I would recommend doing something systematic at the beginning. The other option of just starting somewhere, that's fine and good. You can do that too. But I think if you do a systematic approach, it will bring you much more benefit. And there's a lot of studies that show that. If you mm. your return on investment um, is normally between one to three and one to five on health measures for in companies. Um, but if you do a systematic approach, it's much, it can be much higher. It's more close to one to five um, mm. ratio of how much you invest to how much you get back. Mm. So, yeah, systematic is... Mm. I like your academic background with, with all the <laughs> studies. And, uh, yeah, remembering the start of our podcast uh, just before we started, you said, yeah, interrupt, interrupt me when I'm talking too much. I don't have at all the, the impression. You, you speak very precise and and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm curious to, to listen more. I, I was thinking um, more about uh, the topic we talked now that uh, yeah many companies I, I have the impression because nowadays yeah it's you, you say yeah you need resilience you need that and that but I often feel that it's more like um, they try to fight the the symptom rather than the cause mm -hmm. and of course it's then also a question of uh, of the budget but you said yeah you would highly recommend to have a, a very precise analysis and not just like do an intervention here and there mm -hmm. so Would you really say this is a question of budget or why are companies not ready to, to really make radical changes? Okay, there's a lot in there actually. Um, uh, on one hand, uh, the budget, um, that's often that's the biggest thing. You know, what, how much do we pay and what do we get back? Um, this goes into the return on investment. If you can invest in employees, you will get that money back indirectly, many fold normally. So it's definitely worthwhile. I, I would say um, it's in the interest of a company to invest in, in health yeah. and to invest the budget there because they will get it back. Um, um, so budget is definitely a consideration. Um, on the other hand, quite often these measures don't cost the world. Like analysis, for instance, the instruments by Swiss Health Promotion Switzerland, the, the criteria Bible, you can download that for free. You can get that online. Um, also, the survey they have is very, very cheap. There's yeah. other free surveys about You can even create your own. So this is not a huge cost. The cost is the time that you're taking and, of course, the discussions afterwards and implementing measures. But the measures themselves don't usually cost a lot of money. You don't need to, to buy fancy equipment. Or mm -hmm. A lot of it is one of the ones, the, the, the resources that, to me, is the most important is appreciation. And it's been, again, studies. I'm a total science nerd. <laughs> studies have shown that um, the appreciation has a, an additional effect if you... In, in these work psychology studies, you're always trying to control for things that, that have an effect on other things. And you try to control everything out and see if anything has an additional effect on its own, because that means that one thing has much more power than everything mm. else. And appreciation has been shown to do that. As compared to all the other resources, it has an additional effect, impact on health. So if you can just take the time to show more appreciation that doesn't cost any money mm. it takes attention it takes the willingness um but that's not expensive and i, I would always say 
if you don't have any money, start there. And that will already also contribute to your culture if you start to give each other positive feedback. It doesn't always have to be management either. It can be within teams, between mm. colleagues. Mm. Just to say thank you, to take the time to listen to somebody, um, to, to show that you care how they're doing. Um, to yeah, It's also about making people feel seen and valued and, and heard. Mm. And that, that's free. Mm. Yeah. So that was the budget. The other question was, the first part of the question was more about... Can you remind me? Uh, about the symptoms and uh, the causes, yeah. And resilience. Yeah. Uh, the resilience, that's, that's a, a word that's, to me, a bit controversial. Um, I saw a cartoon recently with people <laughs> swimming in a sea of sharks, and one shark's labelled Ukraine, and one shark is labelled COVID, and one shark is labelled, uh, I can't remember, and certainly globalisation, job loss, uh, illness, whatever. And then you have one guy standing on the pier yelling, well, just be resilient, you know. Um, and I find out somehow that the word is often misused. It's kind of like you're blaming the other person for not being well because that person just needs to be resilient. You know, kind of toughen up, mm. stiff up a lip, mm. buck up. Mm. Don't be such a snowflake is a, is a mm. word apparently they use for younger generation, mm. I, I heard. Um, so, and that, that's such a small part of the picture because, of course, the resilience to me is the resources a person have has and a lot of that of course comes from within the person like optimism and um the skills this person has and and all that but that's that's not the person's fault necessarily a lot of that develops over the lifespan it's it's formed by the experiences you make even as a child and later on in work so that's something the person brings along the other part is the resources that are in the environment the re the appreciation you get the support you get the, the training you receive all those things also add on so for somebody to be truly resilient, of course the person can bring some some base with them, but then of course you also need the environment to support that. So resilience is part the person and part the company, in my mm. view. Mm. So so when it comes to the responsibility, who is responsible for the, for the health? Is it the company or the employee? It's it's shared. I would say both, and I would also say again, it's in the interest. It's not just the responsibility. It's it's in your own interest to be healthy because you're the one that's going to suffer. And it's in the interest of the company that your employees are healthy because you're going to suffer if they're not well, if they're getting ill and quitting. And yeah, it's just, it seems so logical and still it's such a complex topic and difficult to get people in that mindset. And I just got the sign from Arnold that uh, we are running a little bit out of time mm -hmm. and uh, he's the, the time watcher. But I would like to, to ask one final question from my side. I, I really liked one sentence you said at one point that, yeah, it's totally natural to have mental illness. And for me, it sounded so, um, how can I say, it sounded so natural that I even got released. So it's okay when you feel sad or when you have mental issues, it's okay. Yes. And for me, my question would be, my final question is, what does it actually mean to be a healthy employee? Uh -huh, yes, <laughs> that question, I, I read that. And um, that's health, you know, if you look at WHO, World Health Organization, their definition of health is, I have to read it, complete, a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being. That's health. Complete physical well-being. <laughs> I what is complete? <laughs> I have a background in biology. Nobody's ever completely healthy. There's always <laughs> viruses. There's always <laughs> infections. As you get older, you, you might not notice yet, but when you get to my age, there's always little you know, aches and pains and things. Oh. Nobody's ever completely healthy. And from the mental side, complete mental well-being, there's always 
little worries, annoyances. And even if everything's going great, we always, we look for challenges, right? We, we always strive for more and then get into difficulty. It's all about growing. You need, you need the challenge. So I think that definition is just so unrealistic. And to me, the, the better approach is to look at functionality. Mm. Are you well enough to function, to be able to perform the things that you want to do and need to do? And in the context of work, that's, of course, being able to perform your tasks. But not just today. You know, you, you work really hard today and kill yourself and then you can't work tomorrow. It's about being able to perform your tasks sustainably and over a long period of time. And that includes that you get enjoyment from those tasks, that you learn from them, that they have a meaning, that you have social interactions. Um, mm. Yeah, and success, success uh, things that you succeed in and, and, and enjoy. Mm. Um, so to me, that's health. Not, not the complete state. I think that's mm. so unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yes, to, you know, you comment before. I mean, if you look at the statistics by the um, Federal Office of Public Health in Switzerland, a third of the population has a mental health issue every year. Mm. And within our lifespan, we can all expect to have one at some point, even if it's something that's triggered by, by an external event, like losing somebody who's important to you. That's going to happen sooner or later. And to have a phase of depression after that is just absolutely normal. And I think the problem is that we don't see it as normal. And there's the expectation of, you know, we get three sickness, one or three days of sickness from mm. work if one of our the people who's closest to us dies. And that's just not realistic. After that, you're supposed to expect it to be back and just perform. And we know, no, grief is, is different. That takes a long time. There's ups and downs. And work is great because it sometimes distracts you as well. But you're not just going to function at, at the same level straight mm. away. That's mm. So I think it's about accepting that it's part of life and not struggling against it and not um, feeling ashamed and not fighting the fact that it's a part of life. I think that's probably something that we all need to learn. Mm. Yeah. Just underlined uh, being a part of, of life. That's for me the the, the bottom line of, of this podcast. And I give you, Arnold, the word. Maybe I have one final question or a comment and... Then I'm happy to to share a coffee with with you guys and uh, yeah to talk more about the topic. No, I'm looking forward to the office tour afterwards mm -hmm. with Nina. Mm -hmm. And I give the back to you, Amadeo. Yeah, it was a real pleasure to to have this podcast uh, session. It was also the first time we met each other, mm -hmm. and uh, I really appreciate uh, appreciated your openness. You told us it was our first podcast, but it didn't felt like. <laughs> and I hope you guys out there you could enjoy our talk and could also take something for you for your daily life, either in your private life or at work. And we're happy that you subscribe subscribe our podcast. And yeah, looking forward for the next podcast. Yes. Exactly, guys. See you soon. <laughs> Keep it up, subscribe, and uh, we wish you a really nice day. <laughs>